place yourself at the best party you've ever been to. Has it happened or is it yet to happen? What were you wearing? Would you change your mind if you had the chance? Why is it the best party? What's playing? Who's there? I'm Ash, and I feel like the irreplaceable video meets the cranes in the sky one. And I don't think that really works, but you know what? It works for me. <laughs> and I'm Bao. I exist. I'm a fun-loving Shibei, and I should be besides the ocean right now. Happy cancer season, everybody. Ash, what have you been on lately? I haven't seen you in the studio in a while, and I'm excited to record with you. Look at us, all the way in the summer. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Um, I feel like I'm just kind of like drifting into summer, mm-hmm. like slowly wading in. I quit my job because in this house, we mean what we say when we <laughs> say quit your fucking job. Um, and I also dislocated a rib, so <laughs> I'm reorienting my attention completely to me this summer because... Um, I neglect, I neglect my needs yeah. <laughs> and I think it's time to be selfish in as healthy a way as I can help for a little bit. Yeah, I support it. I also feel like I'm waiting into summer. My family was in town um, for a wedding, which was a, a little like strange because it was so many people in our house, like 30 people deep because um, there's just a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um And I still feel some of the COVID anxiety in my body, but it was really nice to get to see everybody. Um, We don't ever really have programmed like family reunions where we're like, all right, we're going to meet at this park on said date, you know. Um, But we always come together for the big things. They came for a wedding and and yeah, everyone came from from all over the U.S. I feel like you and I are balancing on this emotional seesaw of having been to a wedding and like a memorial service. Mm. Like we're at both ends of the emotional extremes. And so now we're a little bit tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I also find it hard to imagine like having pre-programmed family events that don't have to do with the big things. Yeah. 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 I think um, I also find it like it would like it would be difficult to organize my family in that way. Um probably because of all the distance and also because people are working um but it makes me feel good that everyone finds a way to either find the money or find the time to like get their ass here that's so cute Mm -hmm. well everybody welcome to mango we are midway through the first season of local fruit i think this is like our sixth episode um and y'all should already know that there wasn't going to be a way that we were going to do the entirety of this season without acknowledging the god tier fruit that is mango. Um <laughs> uh, mango is all about strength, the peel, the weight and the gravity of mango make it audaciously just delicious and to me it feels like an earned satisfaction because it takes so much work to actually eat it, but it's really a bad time for me because of that. Like I feel like I always earn it. Mm-hmm. Mango is also everything that I want to be. Like I want to be juicy and bright. Um, and I hate being sticky, but I'd like to be bold like that. I think everything about mango feels really balanced to me from like color to texture. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like oranges in the sense that you can just eat the whole, like there's no real preparation for it. Like I always bite directly into mango. Um, and that always feels like a a test for whoever else I'm around. Cause some people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> and other people are like, yeah, that's how you, that's how you eat a mango. Um, and then um, a mango or like mango chupado is what you call really like hot men oh. um, in Mexico. Like you say, está bien mango, está bien chupado. I love it. Yeah. I also, they're really versatile. Like I like eating dried mango mm-hmm. and mango snacks and mango toppings, I guess. Like mango is really good as an ornamentation. Yeah. And they're good. Um, like hand fruit, like they fit really nicely in the palm. 
bringing us to what is on the plate for this sunny and yellow episode, which is... So we got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the emos um, were making it really hard to draft this episode, to like think of a topic that we wanted to talk about for an hour. Um, and this is maybe like the third draft of this of this episode. But I just want to say I'm proud of us for making it here um, and for finding the ganas to keep going and for landing on Mingo in our topic officially. So um, if you follow us on Instagram, you'll know that like we coordinate every episode drop with a different color, like mood boards um, and reels. And we finally, finally made it to yellow, which is my favorite color. So yes. I'm excited for all of the like um, Instagram content that's going to follow the episode. It's been really cool to hear how affirming the entirety of the podcast and what it represents is to our community and how it uplifts y'all. Mm -hmm. So I think we're hoping in this episode that it uplifts us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't follow us on Instagram, go go catch up um, today at localfruit.pod. I feel like I've incorporated more yellow into my life lately, which feels a little weird, um, like not entirely in character for me. Mm. Uh, I keep buying cream shirts or I feel like I started towards the end of leaving college and then now it's it's just it keeps going. I didn't think that I could put that much value into cream <laughs> colored things. Um, and I own like a Winnie the Pooh onesie and it makes me feel cute and sexy. So like getting to know yellow um, also because my hair has been like sunflower yellow on and off uh i feel like i've had to like form this relationship to yellow mm -hmm. i own maybe like three yellow shirts despite it being my favorite color um and and i own one yellow dress that makes me feel like a really hot librarian from like the 70s that's like my the dress anyway um <laughs> but every time i buy something new yellow i'm like oh this is a choice like this is an active commitment i'm making um but then I saw a friend of the pod, Milis, in his like uh, banana yellow local fruit merch um, shirt. And I was like, wow, thank God and Big Bird for the color yellow. Because like it just looked magical. It looked beautiful on them. On the brown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I say that I've, I've had to like grow this relationship with it because I, th I think that when you're like sad or when you have a tendency to be the emo one around, um, it might be a little dissonant to be like, well, I wear this like all black neutral earth tone uniform most of the time. Here's some yellow. Like By it's a little, way. yeah, it's a little aggressive sometimes. Yeah. But I wear it not because I'm like in denial of my depression or like the earth tone uniform that I'm used to, but because it reminds me that I'm not alone. Like when I see yellow, I think of you. Um, mm -hmm. I see, I think of people. Um, and it's hard to hate my brain in the mirror when I see my yellow glasses and I'm thinking of the people that I love or that I'm reminded of. Mm. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of things that depress people. I mean, a lot of the people that I know tend to be pretty sad. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that we can't or we like maybe don't do. <laughs> yeah, but maybe maybe together we can, though. And, and or maybe just today. Yeah. I think I see the contradiction in it mostly because um, one time me and Paula were on one of these bouncy hill drives that we were like take through Lawrence um, where school was. And she like said to my face, like um, depressed people can't wear yellow or not or that they don't wear yellow. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 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 I didn't say they 
can't i just say that they don't usually <laughs> not choose. ableist they, yeah they don't choose to um you asked me what my favorite color was and that i said yellow and then yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well it's it's funny to me like either way because it feels enlightening and hilarious because not only did i again actively avoid wearing yellow because i didn't want to be like aggressively optimistic <laughs> but it, it is your favorite color and i knew that it was your favorite color so the irony of the depressed icons having this relationship to yellow was really funny to me mm-hmm. um and it's also it's representative of one of the things that i love the most about you which is that you like hold your beliefs strongly Mad even intense. if it's like yeah no matter how mundane what we're talking like it's literally just a color and you're literally. like nah bro like they really don't wear yellow that's my opinion <laughs> <laughs> but there's also something about yellow too is that there's such a fine line there's like three good yellows like three good shades of yellow (laughs) everything else garbage throw away um more intensity more intense opinions for you but i think that story reminds me of how in denial i was of my own depression like it just makes me think of the scene and i may destroy you where she's like talking to her therapist and she's like there's a war in syria there's a war in syria there's a war in syria distraction yeah or or like trying to uh like demagnify your own sadness and comparison to other people i remember being so concerned with the big picture and maybe that was just a consequence of the fact that we started school in 2016 yeah so it felt like everything was being like held to under a microscope Mm -hmm. but i think um i think it's also because of because we were in survival mode a lot of the time so we didn't always have the time the opportunity or the access to look at things in on an individual level um, but I think at that point when I was telling the story and we're riding around Lawrence, I was also just I remember being really bored of being so emo and being around other people's emo. Like I I remember feeling like I was wasting so much youth um under this like veil or weight of depression. Um and that was partially because of like the self-awareness, but also because it was just depression. Um but I, I remember feeling like I wish I could just like sweep all the like cobwebs, all the sadness away. Um, and not because I don't want to experience sadness in my life, but because I was just so tired of it. I think you're valid in feeling like it was an errand or an obligation because part of me also feels like it was the expectation that because we were young, brown adolescents, that we were going to suffer. Yeah. Which was weird to consistently, constantly be around. And then for school to also be like, since you're all suffering, here are some self-care tips and therapy with puppies. Yeah. And that's what I mean, that's what I think ultimately yellow starts to represent, like choosing some alternative of that, like being like, well, I'm still depressed. But yeah, the the be, literally between like green and red on the on the stoplight. Yeah, I think it also has a lot to do with like shame mm. and not feeling like we really had a place to be emo while we were experiencing all the privileges of what it means to be a first generation student mm. at the same time as we were experiencing the consequences i guess yeah, yeah i i think um you're right about the shame and shame for me generally is really confusing um because when i think when i start to like rationalize my emotions or try to like parse through them i try to find the like truth in them which is really comforting for someone that like deals with anxiety um but shame kind of like breaks that that system of like processing because it doesn't really rely on any truth like it's all based on assumptions about perception um control yeah exactly um and if i didn't have control <laughs> <laughs> right because of the perception it's hard for it to feel real 
um, either the shame about the emo mm-hmm. or the emo itself. Yeah. Um, it feels like you're constantly like trying to like battle your own gaslighting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, I have a difficult time identifying it because of how hard it is to feel like it's either one is real. Yeah. I feel like I don't really have an easy time like targeting where I feel it in my body. Mm. And I don't know if that makes me cocky or like somebody who is not humbled, you know. But something I've been trying to do with shame is when I do get like the sense of it or the whiff of it, I try to sit with it. Um, And I try to talk to my ancestors or my ancestors to be like my grandma or my extended family about why I feel it or like what is making me nervous about whatever is like cooking shame in my body, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And lately the universe has been really adamant that I let go of the shame that I've been safekeeping and tending and like cultivating mm-hmm. as a young adult <laughs> yeah. um, because it's really it's not going to serve me any purpose in this like post pandemic world and I think one of my pitfalls is that I count myself out because of the potential of shame not even necessarily like shame that I've given myself the opportunity to feel yet yeah I saw this thing that um, Jose Olivares reposted um, I, I wish I remembered what account he did it from but he uh, on a story, it was just like this, this screenshot that was like, what if you spent more time, the time that you spend like minimizing your capacity and like being afraid of shame, what if you spent that like trying to broaden the imagination of what you're capable of? And I was like, I will not. I will not. I will not be doing that. But I mean, I'm joking because then the day after I saw it, I sat and I was like, I don't know. What would that look like if I gave literally like a tenth of the attention to to what could be good? Versus like what could be catastrophe or embarrassing or shameful. Mm -hmm. I say quit my job because I realized that the amount of time I was investing into something that I felt half-assed about Mm -hmm. um, was enough to prove to me that there are other things that I could be doing with myself that make me feel more invested into why myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just not used to feeling half-assed about anything in general. So I guess that was a pretty big like signal to me. Yeah. And I think a conversation with shame um, also really ties into these, like, conversations that we're having about back to normal in terms of, like... Re-entry. Yeah, in terms of the pandemic. But it's all really strange and exhausting. Um, And I feel like it's really necessary for both of us um, to just name that it's absurd and exhausting and that if anyone else feels that that way, um, they're not alone in feeling that way. They're not alone in feeling tired or confused. It is straight up um, dissonant for me to realize that a lot of people have had very different pandemics than each other. Yeah. Um, Even in very concentrated or like dense areas of community where you would expect that a lot of people went through like the same thing or the same processes. But that is not true. Yeah. And I think we're going to be holding grief for a lot longer than capitalism is going to want us to. Um. But that's why local fruits here to yeah. carry us out of that. Um, and I'm loving, I'm loving all this depression talk. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to shift the energy a little. That's um, okay. As we move on to the to the rest of the topics we're gonna talk about. But I mentioned that my prima got married. Um, <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Um, in the merging of these like two separate families, um, so so her husband and ours makes me see very very clearly that the Bengas on my mom's side of the family really love. 
Like they all love this mother. Um, uh, I love that word. It's such a good word. I was trying to find like an English uh, equivalent and I was like chaos, but n- n- nah. You know what's even funnier? I love that the shape of it um, is like of mother, yeah. like <laughs> of matrilineal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so what I when I'm talking about with this mother, since there's not a word, it's like it's cake throwing. It's like flour and eggs and a pinata. It's painting on the passed out people's faces like a little bit of like trickster energy but really just like wanting to have a good time Um, to me yeah to me it feels also like the expectations of like party patterns like this is who's gonna be with who this is who's gonna dance with who this is the way that things are yeah and yeah yeah there's definitely like the cousins that play different roles um but i i really loved sitting and like watching my family like literally mosh at this wedding (laughs) and like the other rest of the guests kind of just sitting there and some of them joining in but being like oh this might be like a genetic trait like somewhere like the scene in up yeah somewhere (laughs) somewhere you know what makes me sad (laughs) um uh i thought you were hiccuping (laughs) no (laughs) no but so i was thinking about how like how is it possible that being like loving this mother and loving to party is a family trait and especially in a family that's so large like I have I try to do the math I think it's like 28 first cousins just on my mom's side that I mean there's a lot of us so how is this the one thing I think that we can all agree on and again make time out of work and cross state lines in order to like be a part of it Mm -hmm. um and I wonder what that says about us like as a family like what it means about what our like ancestors passed along to us like how long back can we be like oh i see the desmadre like four generations ago you know i think one of my favorite um instagram platitude infographics has gone around is somebody did the math of like what it takes for your ancestors to get you here like how many it takes and the the answer is like an actually very concrete answer if you like do the two by two math it's like 1400 or something Mm -hmm. so it is a little bizarre and cool to me to think that it's not even locked into like region or math it is just a spirit thing yeah there are so many people who bring us this like spirit of partying and it's difficult for me to like place how i'm gonna fit into that spirit individually Mm -hmm. like i don't know if i know what me myself personally is like at parties like i like to think that i'm a good time but i always find myself vibing with like other quiet djs or people who want to just like chill and ride the wave so there's that (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you want me to tell you what you're like at parties always i i love being drawn into life like a cartoon character or like do you remember those character trait diagrams from english classes Mm -hmm. like that yeah i i i agree that you are a good time um the first thought that i had when thinking about you at parties was just that you're super focused like you take it you take the act of it very seriously and i think that's when you're like djing specifically um but you're just kind of in your zone um you're tuned into the vibe that you're like creating and orchestrating um and only really like the chosen elite can come and like mess with you or like yell uh suggestions or offer you food and drink um but other than that yeah you're in your zone but that's because randos be coming up and asking for like whack people 
And I, I can't, I can't. It's still fuck Chris Brown. Like, I don't understand what's so hard to get about that. <laughs> I, meant, I meant chosen elite as in like your group of friends that you rolled up with. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, st- I still think you're right. Um, And they're, they're my muses too. Like I genuinely look into the crowd and I find like this song is going to be for this person and I play it. Yeah, I love that. I never uh, realized that that's what you were doing. Oh, yes. It's a very like on the spot. I do have, I make like collections of greater overhead vibes <laughs> and then I pinpoint them based on the people around me and based on what I think that they will personally enjoy mm-hmm. so I think for me what's fun about it is like based on how stranger or not of a person that person is to me is how I get to decide that our mutual transaction is going to get to go mm-hmm. so sometimes like people I love very much will ask me for things that I'm like why do you want this for the bajillionth time and they're <laughs> like just play it I gotta do my thing mm-hmm. and that brings my heart joy yeah I think so. That's you DJing as a regular, regular like guest from the Bronx. Um, <laughs> I think you're really mellow. Like I think you're you sit you sit back and observe. Maybe similarly to what you're doing or what you're describing that you do when you're DJing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always get the sense that you're like taking in the chaos and then sometimes like decisively join in on the chaos, or you like make a specific request. Um, does that feel true to your party experience? In the outline, I was telling you about how um, most of the time when I'm at parties, sometimes I would feel like Eeyore with a party hat on mm-hmm. or the little Russian kid who's just like vibing in the nightclub, like swinging back Beatles. and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I think about it, I also feel like um, a backyardian mm-hmm. or <laughs> or somebody somebody who's just like ready to get the train going. Mm-hmm. But I like being like a quiet instigator. So I like not being noticed when I'm making something happen. Yeah. Um, I think you're definitely a team player too. I think um I know for a fact that you're a keeper of a lot of the like party mementos. So Aww. like the the video or um photos that come along with it. And I, I mean I have a lot of pictures of you riding along in a car where when we were off to wherever. Just Chicano things. <laughs> um as a teenager I really liked street night and party photography so i think whenever i see y'all and i'm like oh my god this is our youth it feels important for me to take those kinds of like very romanticized pictures Mm -hmm. or like just to capture the moment yeah what what am i like at parties um i can never find you Mm -hmm. which i feel like is a running gag because you're constantly running around but you're also like just dancing and you keep the energy up which i can't understand because you're diabetic and you like to sleep sometimes (laughs) and by sometimes i mean all the time so i remember just like vaguely trying to like tell myself in my head like you need to stay aware of where she is but also she's gonna be fine she's not gonna want to stay in one place no matter what you tell her to do yeah um you also don't like to get like super lit um which is a fact that like i can appreciate because it makes me feel like somebody else is being like aware and like we're gonna we're gonna make it out of here we're together the some way level. somehow yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i also think that you're responsible for mostly getting the good people together so like the people who are going to vibe and mesh well with mm. each other versus like bringing in too many clashing personalities into yeah. like one focused party group i do that for my own social anxiety <laughs> <laughs> thanks for noticing <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, I think at parties, I feel really aware only of the people that I come with, like everybody else I could like, mm, sucks to suck. respectfully, <laughs> I could, 
not even it's not even about caring it's not that i don't care i just don't see them like i just don't see them literally mm -hmm. because i'm not wearing my glasses but also because i'm so just connected to the few people that i show up with and i'm like mm, we are yeah the i don't really remember any like conscious effort in the four times to be like well who's who's all gonna be there yeah that didn't really matter yeah um and then i think nowadays i feel a lot more comfortable in the dancing um than in the actual talking but that might be because i'm like reverting back to like <laughs> just like social discomfort mm -hmm. um and i feel really good when i can just sweat all of the like anxiety out mm -hmm. um and i know that um despite me not being like super um mentally present because i'm just vibing <laughs> that people get the perception that I'm very confident when I'm dancing. Um, and I like that too. Uh, mm -hmm. cause I feel, I feel the most confident on the dance floor. Um, and yeah, despite being the sleepiest one in the friend group, I, I do feel like I, I'm very good at hyping people up and like breaking the seal for the dance floor. Um, I have no shame being the only one on the dance floor. And I feel like a, a party shark. Like if I don't keep going, I crash and there are a lot of people pictures of me fully asleep <laughs> i don't really feel like you're the person who's like what's the move at 4 a.m you're usually like can somebody give me my mcdonald's fries and tuck me in bed i'm done <laughs> yeah exactly and thank you for being that person sometimes. always well because i i think what also feels special to me about partying specifically with you is how effortless it feels mm. like i think people have this maybe fantasy that you and I walk into spaces and we're like, all right, here's the plan for how we're going to usurp the space. But that's genuinely not true. It's usually just like people hand it Paola, to us. Paula, hand me the ox cord yeah. <laughs> because I'm bored and tired. Yeah. And then you would hand it to me and then we would get to dictate like how long we were going to give our energy to the scene, mm. whether or not it was worth it and like deserving of the merit that we were offering it in all our like brown magic. Yeah. And then we would move on. And yeah. I would feel like a princess. <laughs> Briefly magical. Yes. Um, I, I joke about us being like Shaolin and Zeke Figaro from <laughs> um, the get down. But I really, whenever we're at parties, that's what I feel the most like. Mm -hmm. um, like we're speaking back to each other in lyrics. Yeah. More, just more Baz Luhrmann stuff. Drama, where, drama, uh, drama. Mercutio and Romeo. Um, damn, I wish I knew. Hold on. Horatio. No, that, oh, am not, I saying the not, wrong one? No, no, no. You know no. who I'm talking about, though. No, you're saying the correct one. I'm just trying to think of other Shakespeare <laughs> names that I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, 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 yeah. So, what makes a good party then? If we're if we're already on Shakespeare, like obviously we must think that we're on like top <laughs> quality shit. Yeah. Um, I think I, I like all the planning that goes into it, honestly. So for me, a good party is all of the before and all of the like after when the party's winding down. The middle bits. Uh. <laughs> um, I I also love how sacred the before and the reencalentado feels to me. Yeah. Like, I get sad when I have to, like, miss out on either piece of those things. Because they still feel like they're a part of the party. They're a part of the celebration yeah. that's happening. Um, and I also, like, appreciate that everybody still tries to, like, even though we know you're going to fall asleep, everybody still tries to, like, go as long and as hard as they can, <laughs> even though we're already, like, 23 and still already feeling like we're 37 and can't these hang anymore. Joints, these joints, joints. <laughs> Megan's knees, how do they work? Yeah. And um, I think ultimately a party feels like an offering, like, in the 
in a very like uh kind of embodied in historical way like where you i don't know like i picture us like bringing a bunch a of feast a feast yeah 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 and so that's why the planning is so fun because everyone's kind of trying to figure out what they're willing to offer what they're going to sacrifice in this space mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah historically speaking it does sound cool to frame it as a ritual because to me, what feels culturally different and specific from like party to party is the type of commotion, type of motion going on. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of dancing, what kind of cooking, what kind of speaking. Um, and like also, what is the intention? Like, is it for personal politics? Like, is there family drama to be settled? Like whether that's through chosen family or blood. I've, I've been watching The Sopranos, so I'm just like <laughs> on my dramatic bullshit. Italians. Uh, <laughs> I wish they were real. They're so funny. <laughs> What's a Timothy Chalamet? What is that? Is that a brand? Oh, he's French. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love what you were talking about with the recalentado because no one wants the occasion to end. Um, but I think the best parties just kind of grow smaller and smaller. Like the like outer layer of the Earth's crust starts till to... Till like, it's just like five of us dancing like Peanuts character in one room. What's the center? It's just lava? Till it's just the lava. <laughs> till it's just the lava people the left. Core. Yeah, and then we're all like piecing together what happened. Who hit who? Like what windows were broken? What, what happened? What Tell happened? me about one of those times. Uh, so I remember a few Halloweens ago, we were bouncing between like two pretty like mediocre parties. Um, yikes. Uh, and then we ended up in the trunk of, of like a mini tiny van, like a minivan and then smaller um, <laughs> with all of us. So there was, I think, like maybe six or seven people in the car, probably seven because we didn't fit in all of the seats. Um, and I'm sitting in the like trunk. And I feel like, honestly, like, I feel like I transcended. Um, I don't even remember if I was tipsy or if I was just like riding, riding the night. But um, Jesus started playing Forrest Gump um, and we were all singing to ourselves, like some really softly, some really loudly, like dramatically. Um, but from the trunk, I couldn't see any, any of you. I could just like hear you like wailing um, and I could see like the, the street lights coming in and like the lights of other cars in the back and it just felt really magical like i i remember feeling so like comfortable and like safe with all of you and just yeah just magic do you do you remember that night yeah um part of me wants to take credit for putting the song on but i'm probably not right um but it, you I were do at the have, front so uh, it was probably a, uh, a group i don't care front. what you say <laughs> but i do have a special connection to like that song and um jason one of the people who was in the car yeah. Because we used to, it was one of the songs that like we used to sit in our like high school parking lot and just like sit with each other in complete silence. Peace and kind of, sh- yeah, kind of like share this like queer knowing <laughs> of yeah. why we felt an unspeakable kind of way. And it wasn't like even necessarily depression. It wasn't joy, but it was this understanding that we had each other. Yeah. And so to be able to like transfer that moment into a bigger moment with the entirety of the crew. And also, like, now have this memory all together of each of us being there for each other feels really, like, precious and restorative to me when Mm -hmm. I pull it up in my heart. Yeah. I also, I remember poking my head out at some point. Like (laughs) Like a puppy. (laughs) Like a meerkat. Um, And seeing maybe, like, you and Jesus, like, having a moment, but then also you, like, extending your arm back towards Jason. And that, I mean, that kind of goes back to what we're talking about in the last episode where all the love should exist in the same space and be fluid and shared mm-hmm. shouldn't um, feel hierarchical Hi- hi- hierarchical see i can't even Megan say Markle? it <laughs>
I think what's also cool about those um, experiences is the places that they would bring us to. Mm-hmm. So, like, we've ended up at plenty of waffle houses, taco bars, mm-hmm. hotels, mm-hmm. motels, yep. um, <laughs> and diners in general. Um, and I think when we're in those spaces, we kind of feel like the most like ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would love to be a bartender for like milkshake because <laughs> dealing with drunk men is not something that I think I want to do. Um, but like the mixing thing is is sexy and talking to, to strangers across the board, I think I could do. Oh, milkshake uh, slash tasty album by Kaylee Supremacy. <laughs> maybe maybe our dream is just to own like a diner and be hot. I don't know. I think that I think we should do that now. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's like rule number two of a good party. Um, surprises and food surprises are the best kind of surprises. And so being ready to roll with the plan. Yeah. So in Lawrence, there wasn't really like a queer club that we could go that we could go to. So there was this like queer house. Um, one of our friends would host parties at. Um, and like 200 to 250 people would like roll through each All time. All of which individually owe me a Venmo. Yeah. You can find me in our description. Run Ash her money. Um, but I remember one of the times, uh, the host made like a huge, huge pot of spaghetti for everybody. <laughs> and I, I, like I said, I don't really be lit lit at parties, but when I am, all I want to do is eat. Like somebody feed me, um, and that was a really magical time, too. I have memories of, like, turning around from the laptop and the ox court to you having, like, you and, like, three other people having a bowl of just some random shit in it with, like, a fork. Mm. And you'd just be, like, bopping and, like, spooning yeah. the fork into your mouth at the same time. Or into yours being, like, here. It's your turn. <laughs> the amount of times that we would go to these parties without eating is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then we would, um, like, be nauseous and pop right back in anyway. <laughs> I also feel like that's when we know our like physical bodies and their limits best. Yeah. Like when we're when we're done with the party and we're like, wow, that was either really satisfying or really not. Um, wrecked. Mm-hmm. And sometimes um when we're talking about like the offering that you bring to these like feasts, sometimes the like physical exertion feels like like an offering too. Like there are times when I'm like, damn, my feet hurt, but did I dance for four hours? Hell yeah. And did I need it? Yeah. Um, and those feel like a, sometimes it felt like a, an even exchange and other nights, not so much, but the nights that it did, it was really fun. I think I'm bad as hell. I got issues that align. Saying tomorrow I do the dishes, never come. Easy bake, easy wake up. So I feel like I'm getting more impatient at parties. Um, and it makes me feel older than I am. But like at the ripe age of 23, my frontal cortex feels fully developed at this point, <laughs> um, which means that I have to be at least a little tipsy to not care about all the like drunk silliness. Oh, or you can feel your brain. Yeah. I mean, it, it reminds me of um, in the Emperor's New Groove when Yzma is like, damn, we really got to do this right now. But first, let's eat some spinach puffs and then we'll we'll take care of it. Yeah. Take our uh, charcoal pill. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean, I haven't tried to go party or dancing like straight edge in, in a minute in office, the panini, obviously, but I'm going to try it and I'm going to report back, see if I still feel youthful. Does it feel important to you? I think so. I think um, I don't want to lose partying because it feels like a big part of who I am. And again, like I mentioned, who my family is and there are people of all ages partying. Well, I meant trying it straight edge again. Uh, yeah, because also drinking makes me tired, um, and my body cannot sustain it. 
Um, I also like remember being being the DD a lot of the times um, because I wasn't much into drinking um, and driving my ladybug car through the hills of Lawrence with you guys literally like hanging out of my car. Um, and at those times, I maybe wanted to be a little bit more wild or like more tipsy than I was. Um, but I, I think of those moments really fondly now, um, even though there's people in the car that I can't remember who they were i'm i'm glad that i was like part of the reason that they made it home and that we all made it home together mm-hmm. i can't remember consciously being aware that we were like really prizing those boundaries yeah um or how precious they were to us in the moment mm-hmm. but it was cool to continuously find people who were okay with managing how comfortable everybody was yeah and something that I remember being really cute about that is just like screaming, don't let me down out of your car and then playing like Spanish covers also of the Beatles <laughs> and trying to like not collectively bring up like the hurt <laughs> that we were like holding on to or how much we missed our families um, and just being like happy to share in the moment with each other and not having to like name those boundaries or be like, damn, I'm so glad that like so and so didn't get like super blasted tonight or whatever. Like there was no shame. Yeah. Do you feel like you can party sober? I have a very hard time letting go of control. Um, and if I didn't have control, it would be fatal. I would be nothing. <laughs> um, or we're just going to keep bringing it up. We'll probably put it as... The <laughs> but I think that either my body, like yours, either just doesn't have the processing capabilities in order for me to like be drunk quick and conveniently enough. Yeah. Or that the occasion just rarely comes up that I feel that I like that it warrants it yeah um like it has to be a special occasion yeah it definitely has to feel special i end up rarely buying my own shit not because i'm cheap but because it usually like comes to me in the form of small gifts Mm -hmm. um and i i love like a room service moment so i love being like served even if it's like diy and if it's like let's go to the target or the cvs before we go up to the hotel room like that feels very precious to me yeah and that's what i mean about thinking it would be fun to be a bartender because I mean I thought similarly like to perfume that I would get to an age where I'd be like this is my signature drink <laughs> um, and I'm I'm excited for that specifically um, like the character building I guess um, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in the precipice of that like I know that I like minty more than fruity and white more than red but mm, alcohol for me is mostly just a chore um, because I don't like things that taste bad. Do you feel like you can party sober? Um, I think so. I think I did most of my partying sober and I feel like I'm so, uh, contextually sober. Like everybody <laughs> else 50, 50. Yeah. is, is at a different level, um, than I am, but I mostly like to remember the night that mm-hmm. I've had. And, and again, like my, my body just can't do what a lot of 23 year old bodies can do or what I imagine that they ought to do. Um, so it has to be like a very active choice that I calendar in, like getting drunk because I'm diabetic and I'm a sleepy boy and a busy boy. So I can't like casually be like, let's get fucked up, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it was bizarre to go to school and understand the concept of like dollar shot Wednesdays and be like, I don't have an extra dollar to go buy like five shots on Wednesdays or um, to just like casually be that fucked up like yeah. during the week yeah um whatever we had when we were able to go to oxford um 
they like make their own shit over there in England, I guess. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> um, it's probably like the most fucked up I've ever been. And I have a lot of like cute drunk selfies on the bus back mm -hmm. from Oxford to London. But that's probably like the the most extreme I've ever gone. And it was really because we were like in a place I'd never seen before in my life, like even through pictures. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Did you know that like one of the oldest um, recipes that they have like globally on record is a recipe for beer, like for alcohol? No, I didn't. Yeah. So people been people <laughs> been doing this. <laughs> so you can party sober. I think I can party sober because um, of all, you know, all these things that we just discussed, but also because DJing or dancing means being very active <laughs> yeah. like um more like focused active than I had the time for I feel like I was always constantly like running around from the next thing to the next thing so when I was in the middle of doing either of those two things like DJing or dancing I would be like trying to read <laughs> trying to like flip through my phone and flip through people's laptops on like a fifth shot and then there's like a <laughs> bunch of 20 year olds who won't stop moving and my alcohol is not processing fast enough for me to feel like fucked up while I'm doing these things and at the same time I can't read because I am already like a little bit buzzed. Mm -hmm. um, and nobody will shut the fuck up. And I don't like the smell of most beer. So most of the time it would just be like sensory, like overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But there were moments when I would feel like I was in the eye of the storm. Like yeah. everything would align itself so that I would feel safe. Or at least I would feel comfortable with myself in my own body. Yeah. And I think what you were, what you were talking about earlier, like the dollar shot nights, beyond not necessarily having the extra like money to just ball out and spend it getting fucked up like it's also not they weren't there weren't a lot of like spaces that would have been like either safe or fun for us exactly yeah um, i try to i would try to accept gifts or like what was passed while we were in those spaces mm -hmm. um because it would feel like um it would feel like a like an appreciation, like a token of like, hey, I respect what you're doing here. Thank you for doing it. Yeah, like the collections at church. Yes, <laughs> the offering, baby. Um, and that, that's when they play the fun, like bouncy songs that you're like, <laughs> get up and give your money. Um, <laughs> but I probably, I probably like wouldn't try harder shit if it was passed to me in this lifetime. Um, I I do smoke, but I but I'll like. For me, that's more of like a beginning and an end thing versus like I need I need to keep the vibe going. I need something. Yeah. Yeah. My birthday, my dad, when you and um Jesus arrived, asked if you guys were together and then if you got well, you guys were hungry and then if you were zooted back to back to back. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yes, no. Why you want some? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's been the weird thing about like uh like one of the unexpected things about um coming out of the panini or I feel weird saying that. But one of the things to develop out of the panini and becoming an adult is that our ritual of like stepping out or smoking or like any of these like pre-party or after-party or during-party rituals is now weird to the adults because the adults are like, our kids are growing up. Mm -hmm. And when did that happen? Yeah. And I, I don't know. For me, it's hard to disconnect like the shame that we were talking about earlier. Um the depression and the ways that it kept me from like partying or going as hard as I wanted to or like felt like that I was expected to to go at school yeah and I mean it's it's weird too because I mean I was living at GSP um in a, a dorm at the school we went to and people were literally getting wheeled out like ambulances ambulances because I mean let, let me clarify white kids would be getting wheeled <laughs> out of GSP by ambulances every other week because of how much they had drank 
And it was uncomfortable to like have to not feel responsible for them. But if somebody's passed out in your hallway, yeah, how are you not going to feel accountable? And then we would see their counterparts not really give a shit about them. And so we would feel like um, parents or like people who were responsible. Yeah. Caretakers. I remember one time on my floor, like getting home after I think we were having like a paint night. So like chill vibes, chill vibes. And I go home, there's a guy like passed out on the ground and he has this like um like uh a buck not a bucket, but like a deep bowl for like popcorn next to him. Not mine. Um <laughs> and I saw him and I was like, dude, are you good? And he was like, Yeah. Um he wasn't. But I went and like got him a water bottle, brought it out to him, and then the next morning the bowl was outside of my apartment with like a sign that was like thanks and i was like this isn't Hi. i don't want your pukey bowl it's not mine <laughs> <laughs> so so do you like see this connection that i'm talking about between like shame and and depression or partying absolutely but i, I also come from like a, a a family with a history of substance abuse um and my mom i think in order to protect me uh more to instill these kind of like values in me I can I can remember hearing my mom very clearly like telling me her stance on drugs very early on in life. Um, so much so that I can hear it in her voice. Like if I close my eyes, it's so such a repeated phrase that I can hear it. Um, which is like if someone offers you drugs, they're not your friend. Um, which is really complicated for me because I know that she's referring to like hard drugs or what we refer to as hard drugs, amphetamines, um, and not necessarily weed. Um, but it's also weird because I've sought out like experiences italicized <laughs> experiences in the past so does that mean that like i'm my i'm not my own friend you know and i i don't know you you'd have to ask mr rogers about that yeah i think i think when we first left to school i felt very hesitant to trust strangers on a general level but obviously the culture shock of like especially white wealthy people yeah and then especially about substances no- knowing that my family has a history with addiction and not really understanding any other way to have a relationship with these things besides remaining abstinent. Yeah. And so I felt a lot of the times like it was hard to give myself permission to relax in that way or to like let loose or let it all hang out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whenever I perceived for myself that I was like, quote, failing, unquote, failing at life, unquote, um, which was literally never because I was consistently grinding keeping the money coming in the accolades coming in but was always according to my mental illness in those days so i i think now i'm mostly still agree with my mom that drugs at least for me are not a long-term solution to like any problem that i that i might be experiencing or think i'm experiencing and that would apply to parties i think so i think um anything that feels in like in a way that is indulgent that would could harm my body mm-hmm. um the message from my dad has has always kind of been like drugs are an escape and it's something that you do when you're like displeased with your reality um which is it, it's still like it for his position like silly because you can't really escape your reality you just have to like face it um and my mom's message again was always like if you're at a party and you're feeling good and you're dancing and you're vibing and you're with people that you trust or you know it can be really easy to not see like the offer of hard stuff as as the threat that it is um and i know that this this is shaped like by both of my parents lived experience with with addiction um going generations back so it's hard to like parcel out 
what that means for me in this context with my friends um, and, and the boundaries that we all have already set with each other, like the different levels of safety that I feel. Knowing the history before we got to school, I think definitely affected the way that we had um, just like space yeah. for these kinds of things. Because I don't think I really felt comfortable like trotting this out for people who didn't know me that well and having to be like, well, you see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My great grandfather. <laughs> right. But um, and it's also unfair half the time because there's also like these stereotypes of like when you're not white like that you have drug problems yeah or that you have problems with um uh, control yeah. um meanwhile pull up on any any fraternity or sorority <laughs> right the second you're gonna find coke in the house like period um anyway so my dad i've mentioned multiple times um used to work at nightclubs um so he would have a very like reverse work day than most parents. So he would like leave my house at like 8 or 9 p.m. and not get back to like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. based on like traffic and stuff. Um, so he would work at these clubs like AD and others in Hollywood. And people would hand him like all kinds of shit as people do when they're trying to be kind. Like, you know, those tokens I was talking about earlier. And he would be like, ah, I'm at work um, and yeah. that's uh, and I need to drive home like to my kid to my family like I I this is my job um but I will take the bottle home as a gift as to not displease you like pretty fucked up person like not not fucked up on a moral level but just like they were feeling themselves yeah um and so I think that's kind of stuck in my DNA when I walk into the club or when I walk into a space where I know that's kind of going to be like on the table um that I enjoy being present for the experience being brought to me but at the same time I want to be like I want to do whatever I can to improve the experience for other people mm -hmm. in a way that feels both like natural and powerful. So for me, that's why audio feels like sacred work or like something that I can do as an act of hospitality. Yeah. I want to ask um, your position on it, but our, our drugs and I'm, I'm including alcohol, um, but not vitamins, <laughs> um, a positive additive to society, like not, not, I'm not asking if they're objectively like good, but we know that sometimes drugs are used not as an escape to your reality, but a way to face it or to to bear it. I think of the ways that, you know, like you said, we have um, these understandings that the relationship to these things goes generations back. Um, and I think of how like right now, as I'm growing into adulthood, there's a lot of like obvious movement. Um, that there is and has been like motion for the use of these kinds of things to be used as channels or tools or avenues for communication with ancestors or like yeah. your internal calling, you know, just talking to yourself, meditation across cultures. Um, and I think that's personally what I'm invested in. So I, that's the part of me that wants to say like, yes, to your question, mm -hmm. um, because I don't know, I think. In my in my like most Torian sense, I believe that the earth, everything that the earth has to offer is kind of inherently good. Mm -hmm. I don't really believe that what the earth has on it is bad, you know, like I don't really apply meaning like that. So in that way, I'm like, yeah, everything is good because I believe in like what the environment and the land has to like give us and that we should like be respectful with it. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I think that folks also had a right 
or have a right to be safe, secure, and unimpressed with what the land and the earth essentially offers us because it's here. Um, it was given to us. It was provided to us. And for me, that includes people of all ages. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying, like, kids, is okay to do drugs. I'm just saying, like, I wish it was okay for everybody to have a responsible and healthy relationship with things that they should feel okay with trying. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, that's something that I I recognize in my own life, not at, like, a systemic level because drugs are illegal, but, like, <laughs> with d- despite, like, my parents' kind of, like, hard stance on drugs, they both know what I have been up to or what I've done or tried mm-hmm. um, and there's never been any judgment um, or at least I've never felt any judgment. I feel very lucky in that way too is that we have been able for the most part to be very transparent with both of our respective families. Yeah and my dad my dad always says something similar to what you're talking about which is you you ought to dis- like respect drugs mm-hmm. um, and I never thought about it in terms of like it being a piece of the land um, or, or part of our like ecosystem. Um, but he he talks about it the way that like people might talk about the ocean like it's it can be a beautiful time and then it might become a wave and like kill you <laughs> so like fine like humble yourself in the experience mm-hmm. um but yeah i've been to temascals which which are like sweat lodges um and i felt that ephemeral thing that people seek out when they do these kind of things for like meditation purposes um, and I felt them from sitting in prayer with like herbs that have been burning um, and with other people like singing around me or feeling like their sweat and my own sweat that that kind of forces like the same release that dancing does um, this release of pressure so that you can only really exist in the present and in in your spirit. Um, and again, I've experienced this on the dance floor and and maybe in nature, too. Um, but drugs help. <laughs> I've never seen a waterfall in real life. And I and I hope that. I mean, seeing a waterfall would feel as good as like some of the things that I've tried feels. And I fully believe that it can, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, And I know what you're talking about when you say that you've felt like that communal release, Mm -hmm. because to me, it immediately brings me back to like sitting in extremely hot churches um, (laughs) and people like passing out in the Pentecostal way that they will, where (laughs) they just like they completely lose it and. I've never gotten to pass out. Oh my god! I think I, I think I may have like tried when I was like a (laughs) child, but I don't remember it, and I obviously don't want to. (laughs) Where's the Um, drama? Yeah, I, I just, I remember feeling like intrinsically connected to the people who were like speaking in tongues and letting themselves like fall to the ground and thinking like this is magical. Like, why isn't everybody else doing this on their weekends? (laughs) Like, wouldn't this feel good? Um, and I, I don't know. I'm just so glad that I've been able to like see, you know, those spaces of worship or those places of, um, mass release. And also at the same time, I've been able to see like a bunch of emos belting out the black parade or prima donna or September. Mm. Do you remember? Um, and it feels similar. Like we all have something that we're trying to offer or to give or to get out together. Yeah. And every time I've sat in a church recently, so when I was in church for the wedding, I just kept looking around in the space thinking like, oh, this could be so cool. And if it was different in this way. Um, and I'm excited for the imagine imagination work that comes with that, like of getting hopefully the opportunity in the future to create a space that feels like church in all of the good ways and not in all of the oppressive ways. Mm-hmm. And heaven is a nightclub. We know this. I think um, my my last like two cents on it is that 
the need to release is really human. And I think the instinct to use something to aid it is really natural too. Um, so when I think about what my mom said about um, hard, hard drugs or like the wear that it can have on your body, it doesn't feel sustainable in the long term. Um, and I, I mean it even in the sense that I can't party every single weekend. Like I can't sustain that kind of lifestyle. I need a more rounded care system beyond the like release of like dancing for four hours. Um, and I, I really hope for a world where people have access to that sort of like community aided care that is expansive and, and infinite. To me, that's what our friend's house that had so many people in it kind of felt like. Yeah. Like when we couldn't find a space for ourselves or we knew that other people, like namely white queer people, had their own space. We were still able to make something of ourselves no matter where we go and where we are. Mm -hmm. And that feels like a magic exclusive to us. Yeah. Um, and I also think that it kind of carried me through my depression or like out of my depression is this potential or this possibility that like, you know what? Heaven is a nightclub and it's going to be a personal heaven to us. And yeah. also it could completely be here on Earth. Yeah. Soulcism. Why is it so hard to accept that the party is over? Girl. Get your ass in the car. I can't believe we're already six episodes into this. Yeah. We literally started recording thinking that this was episode five, only to realize that we had already done an episode five. <laughs> so we're extremely grateful to those of you who are here and listening thus far. It's really cool to see that our first couple episodes have already hit 100 listens uniquely. And that's really encouraging and uplifting and motivating to us. This is the kind of work that we really want to be doing. And we're so appreciative of those of you who have gone ahead and bought a piece of merch or posted us on your story or shared how Local Fruit is like connecting with you. Yeah, we love you. We would definitely ask you to be in our quinceañeras. And our funerals. And if you love us back and have the means to support us um, by buying some some merch, we have crewnecks, t-shirts, and handmade wearables coming soon. Um, you can find all of those on our website. And look out for our episode 7 later this month. We'd like to thank our sound engineer, Jesus, my love, my light. You can find myself at ayy.punk on Instagram and Paola at bass on the floor. We also are very excited to show you some things that we have coming out soon, but we would be really um, grateful if you wanted to forward us any ideas, either for content, for episodes, or maybe, I don't know, we might be doing something subscriber-based in the coming future. So mm -hmm. you let us know what you want to see. Bye!